Yo, 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 it's your girl and boy CT. I'm Cindy Barnes. And I'm Travis Barnes. And we are the founders of the Overcomers Podcast. The Overcomers Podcast is designed to help you overcome adversity and live your dreams. Every week, we will be sharing stories of people who found their strength in their struggle. The Overcomers Podcast is sponsored by Journey 333. And that's a lot of threes, so let me tell you what it is. It's fitness, coaching, and nutrition. It is a place where we help you to look better, live better, and feel better, and it is mind, body, spirit. Today, we're going to help you get your mind right with our special guest. Hello, Overcomer Nation. I am super excited today. Maybe you know a little something about empathy, but do you know something about fierce empathy? Well, you're about to find out because our guest today is the Fierce Empathy Coach. As an integrative business and life strategist, personal coach to high-performing men, and a keynote speaker, David provides support, solutions, and strategies for owners and leaders who want to calm the chaos, realign with results-driven habits and systems, and intentionally cultivate lives and businesses filled with peace, purpose, passion, and profit, all without sacrificing their family, health, or well-being. How's that sound so far? You interested? Well, stay tuned. After nearly taking his own life and experiencing a divine wake-up call, David left his corporate career to reinvent himself, rebuild his family, and redefine what was possible in his personal and professional life. He now empowers leaders around the world with his philosophy of fierce empathy, which enables us to look in the mirror, face the facts, and confront the challenges that hold us back from success, fulfillment, and aligned abundance. As a husband, father, and Kansas farm boy at heart, David believes that personal and professional success is determined by adherence to the four pillars of fierce of the fierce empathy method: clarity, constructs, commitments, and consistency. David has been invited to work with entrepreneurs and leaders from over 40 different countries and shared strategies with world-renowned thought leaders like Tony Robbins, Demi Tebow, and Russell Brunson. He is an outdoorsman coffee connoisseur can't wait to hear about that <laughs> and avid nonfiction reader david welcome to the show travis my brother i'm excited to be here man how are you today oh, i'm excited too we're honored to have you here you know you uh you have quite uh quite an array of accomplishments you know i could have gone on and on about you so i'm i'm just super excited to have you share with our audience today and and i know that you got a new program coming up so the ardent man uh, super excited to have everyone here about what that acronym stands for and what that program is. But more importantly, if we could just have a little bit about your history so that everybody could get to know you. Could you tell us a little bit about how you got from where you were to where you are today? Because I know that you gave up a, it was a full ride that you were going to take to enter the corporate America. And uh, maybe you could just kind of tell us a little bit about that story. And how Yeah. You for sure, Travis. Well, brother, again, it's an honor to be here. And so my my story starts back uh, in a small farm country in the middle of Kansas. I grew up outside of Topeka, Kansas. Dad was a vet. Mom was a teacher. Uh, pretty standard blue collar working class family. And I, I felt very privileged, though, if, for anyone familiar with the Andy Griffith show, my childhood felt like Opie Taylor. So I had a fishing pole on one shoulder, a BB gun on the other one, and, and away we go. That's <laughs> That was how I grew up, and it was a beautiful childhood. Uh, but I think what's interesting, uh, you know, we we all, when we, we grow and mature, you look back on your childhood and you start to realize, well, maybe 
<laughs> maybe it wasn't quite as rosy as as I thought it was. And there were some things that uh, obviously happened uh, in my family over the course of life, very similar to everyone listening here, where we grow up and then you start to reflect and you start to realize that, okay, there's some things that I have carried with me that I need to address. There's some belief systems, there's some programming, there's some things that I've been conditioned to believe about how the world operates that I need to confront. And uh, from a young age, though, it was instilled into me hard work. Uh, that was that was a really important thing. People were were just kind and and decent human beings. <laughs> and there was uh, the world was a lot simpler in Topeka, Kansas than <laughs> when I moved. Uh, moved halfway across the country with my family to Florida right before I turned 14. Now, one of the things, Travis, that really bothered me about this is that growing up in Topeka, when I turned 14, I could get my farmer's permit. Well, when we moved to Florida just before I turned 14, not only did I find out I couldn't get a farmer's permit, but I couldn't even get a learner's permit till 15. So I had an extra year plus where I was like, I know how to drive. Why can't I drive? And and so it was it was culture shock. It was a very different world. We went from basically a, a compound type situation where my grandparents lived on 100 acres. We lived on five. My cousins lived on five. And we all kind of just grew up this big, happy family. Uh, not everything was happy, but I mean, you get the picture until we moved to Florida. And again, culture shock. It was weird living in suburbia. I could stick my hand out my window and touch my neighbor's house and my world got upended. And so throughout my high school years, uh, I worked really hard. I ended up graduating with a full ride academic scholarship that I decided to turn down. I felt like college was not the path for me. Uh, I instead decided to go into a two-year internship program, was focused on leadership development, interpersonal communication, uh, developing strengths, learning more and more about how to operate as an effective leader in society today. And so that led into a corporate career where I, since my earliest days in, in work, uh, it was all sales and marketing. And so I built a career in sales. I became a top 1% producer in a $400 million a year company. And I started managing a team, generating millions and millions of dollars in years in sales to the point where uh, I started I started really, really getting, uh, getting confused in my mid-20s, particularly my mid-20s, because there came a point where I looked at my life and everything that everyone said was going to make me happy and fulfilled that I needed to achieve in life. I'd achieved. I had the six-figure salary. I had the glass corner office. I had the company car. Mm -hmm. I had the house. I had the wife. I had the kid. And through a series of events, which I'm sure we'll get into today, I wound up in front of the mirror with a Glock 43 in my hand, ready to end my life. Wow. wow. And what led to that, uh, there was really about a 10-year period, which I now kind of refer to as the dark ages, where I didn't know who I was. I didn't know what I wanted. I didn't know. Uh, I didn't know what success meant. I didn't know what fulfillment meant. Uh, I grew up in a very traditional household, uh, household evangelical Christian, so my faith has always been a huge part of my life. But even in that, it was it was a lot of anger and rage. This underlying, just being pissed off at God, being like, number one, why am I here? Why won't you tell me what I'm supposed to do and why am I not happy? I've done everything, quote unquote, right. Why am I at this point where I'm having constant panic attacks? The stress is crippling me. I'm dealing with like I went and did a BMI test. This was uh, this was what like six, maybe seven years ago now. Uh, doctor said I was morbidly obese, according to my BMI, um, and every single day. 
I was just waking up, going to work, trying to do my best to provide for my family, zero financial literacy. So living paycheck to paycheck in, you know, which I, I know it's hard for some people to imagine making six figures, but just didn't understand how to approach life. And it led to that moment. And there was, again, a series of events that happened and then the stuff that followed afterwards, which I'm sure we'll, we'll be getting into. Yeah. Tell me a little, tell us all a little bit about that. You know, when it comes to somebody with a corner office and a company car and a six figure salary, it's hard to imagine how you get to that point to where you're standing in front of the mirror and you're thinking about taking your own life. Yeah. When you mentioned stress, you mentioned anxiety, what was going on at that point in time in your life that just seemed so overwhelming? So the core of it actually kind of came to a head when I had a mentor of mine who at the time she wasn't a mentor, but she went to my church and she had approached me knowing that I was in, you know, executive leadership. I was, you know, especially for being somebody in mid to late twenties, I, it was weird to me because everyone that I looked around at Travis, like everyone, my age, I, I couldn't really compare. I was like, why am I at this level of success when I'm looking around at all my friends who are making 40, 50, 60 K a year? And they're, they seem to be doing fine. Why am I supposedly doing more than fine, but I don't want to live anymore. What is wrong? Right? So these questions were just questions that I dealt with the thoughts of uh, constantly feeling like I couldn't measure up. I wasn't good enough. I wasn't worthy. I wasn't deserving. Uh, and it came to a head when this mentor, she approached me and she uh, she said, David, have you ever, have you ever done coaching? I'm like, like soccer coaching, <laughs> you know, like, like baseball coaching. What are you talking about? And she said, I'm actually developing a coaching program for the board of directors in our company now at the time. And she still works for this company. So I need to be careful. Um, but if I mentioned what company she worked for, every single person on this podcast would know the name of this brand. Mm -hmm. She was a part of the, the coaching staff that literally worked with the board of directors and the executive team on helping them to optimize in every area of their life. And she had come to me and she said, I have to present this to the board of the directors in about six months. It's going to be a $300,000 coaching program. And I'd like for you to be one of my five case studies if you're willing to commit six months to working together. And I said, I'm sorry, how much did you just say? <laughs> She's like, it's going to be about 300 grand. And she said, but I'm going to give it to you for free, but I need you to be fully committed to it. And I need your honest feedback through the process. And so we dove into this coaching thing, which I had no frame of reference for what that meant or what it looked like. I'd always heard about like life coaches and business coaches and things like that, but I didn't understand what the process actually looked like. And we wound up at this uh, little Mediterranean cafe. We we're having lunch one day. And uh, she looks across the table and she asked me a question and she said, David, and this was one of those questions that kind of catches you off guard. She's like, David, what do you want? Mm -hmm. I was like, like for lunch, really like some shawarma and other food I can't pronounce. You know, <laughs> And she said, no, what do you want from your life? And I sat back and I, I, I couldn't really answer Travis. I, I didn't other than, and I think this is where many people get to. I got to this point where the only thing that was in my mind was what I didn't want. Mm. The only thing that came up, right? You ask the average person, what do they want? They can't tell you. They can tell you everything they don't like, everything they don't want, everything they want to change, but they can't actually tell you with precision what they actually want. And I was stuck in that. And I didn't know what to say. And so she, she sat back and folded her arms. She said, let me ask you a different question. She said, David, who do you want to become? Mm. And Travis, in that moment, 
Now that doesn't sound like necessarily, you know, revolutionary question, right? We've all grown up with some variation, like, what do you want to do when you grow up? Or who do you want to be when you grow up or whatever? For me, it was, what do you want to do? Right? What do you want to do? What do you want to do? What do you want to do? Now I was multi-skilled. I was a part of every club. I played all the sports. I was in the chorus and the drama and I did decent grades. You know, I was, I was pretty decent at just about anything that I put my mind towards. Now I wasn't, typically the best, but I was in the 90th percentile. I was pretty good if I committed myself. And I think that's how most people are. If we, if we commit to something, you find you're actually, you know, it doesn't take that long to develop proficiency. And so I was struggling with this, this question because there were so many things that I liked. So for someone to put me into a box and say, you're going to be a, a this, you're going to be a this or a that, those labels felt so incredibly restrictive to me. So when she asked this question, what happened, Travis, was like going back to that moment, something short-circuited in my brain and I literally spoke without thinking. If we, if anyone's listening who's ever had that experience, it's something so deep, it just comes out and you're like, I can't put those words back, but it just came out of me, right? No control. And what I said to her in that moment, Travis, was I'm not allowed to define that. Hmm. Whoa. Where would you get that concept? She sat back and she looked at me. Mm. She said, that's interesting. Okay. And she walked me through this process that ended up putting me on this really like two to three year journey of completely reinventing every part of my life, rebuilding my family, creating and restoring intimacy with my wife, learning how to be present for my kids, starting to take care of my health. Um, this, this process was a simultaneous death and resurrection. There was a lot of me that I had to put to death. And there was a lot of me that I had to rediscover and allow to come back alive that I had pushed down for so long. Because when she asked me that question, the core belief that I had held onto Travis was this, who I become defining that that's God's job. Mm -hmm. It's not mm -hmm. my job. I don't, I don't have a right to define because my life's not my own. Okay. Because of my belief system, because of those, you know, especially growing up in Christianity, it was like, I don't get to decide that. I don't get to define that. God is supposed to tell me, you know, Jeremiah 29, for I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you, not to harm you. Anyone that grew up in church, like you've heard this verse, right? So all these things, right, around calling and purpose and what's, you know, what's, what's the meaning of life, especially in the realm of evangelical Christianity, you become conditioned to believe that you've got to find this thing that God is hiding from you. Mm -hmm. You have got to do whatever is necessary to discover the call of God on your life. And honestly, Trav, it, it pissed me off. Yeah. It made me so angry because for years it was desperately praying and saying, God, what do you want me to do? Which direction should I take? Which path? Which job? All of this stuff. And so when that came out of me in that moment, what she did is she ended up taking me through a series of exercises. And over the course of the following months, it was the first time in my life where I started to really question my beliefs, to challenge my beliefs, not in a way that was trying to be disrespectful. I, I, it was really looking at, okay, what of my beliefs are core beliefs that are unshakable? These are things that I will carry with me for the rest of my life. Like these are non-negotiable beliefs, right? Why do I have those? Where did they come from? And how useful are they? 
to create alignment with the man that I do want to become, whoever that is. Looking at the limiting beliefs, looking at the negative thoughts, the negative stories, how I viewed money, how I viewed health, how I viewed parenting, how I viewed marriage, how I viewed my faith, how I viewed work. And what were the core beliefs that were driving every single decision that I was making? And through this process, what ended up happening, Travis, is I started to realize that our results, and I want anyone listening to feel free to write this down. Our results are always because of a series of events that are happening in the head and the heart. And because of this work that I did, I started realizing that that it was this chaos in the head and the heart that creates so much. There's a fancy word people call cognitive dissonance, right? Or misalignment. Alignment's a big buzzword nowadays. And a lot of people will we'll jump into that, I'm sure, in just a sec. But at least for me, I learned that our results are nothing more than something that happens following an action, right? So our actions follow feelings. Feelings follow thoughts and thoughts follow beliefs. So when I started looking at my life and looking at the results that I had created in every area of my life, I could trace it back through a series of events of actions, feelings, thoughts, and beliefs. And what I learned was that this cycle repeats itself. When you get a specific result, it now informs and reinforces your belief or it challenges your belief. And so if you look at this wheel, this belief, thoughts, feelings, and actions to create results, the only thing that you have to do is systematically go in and assess your actions, then your feelings, then your thoughts, then your beliefs. And you will be able to start to go through this process of what's called inquiry, which I learned from Byron Katie in a, in a fantastic book called Loving What Is. And mm. I started to challenge these beliefs until I came to the point where I realized that the reason that I did not have the results in my life that I wanted is because I'd never given myself permission to define the man that I wanted to become, the mm. father I wanted to be, the husband I wanted to be, the leader that I wanted to be. I had never defined these with precision and given myself what Napoleon Hill and uh, the greats have always, always talked about defining an aim for your life. I thought I was supposed to find that. I thought I was supposed to find my purpose, to discover my purpose, because that's what everybody talks about, right? Go discover your purpose. Until I had a day in the kitchen, Travis, and this was where everything solidified for me. I had these thoughts, and I don't know if they came from God or if it was just, you know, pizza or whatever. But I heard three things. I heard the question, what is the purpose of taking a shower? I was like, well, to get clean, right? Okay, what is the purpose of driving a car? Well, to go from where you are to where you want to be. Now, what is the purpose of eating food? I heard those three things. And I said, well, eating food is for sustenance. And what I realized in that moment, Travis, was that purpose in almost every context that we look at, purpose is nothing more than an action to be taken to create a specific result. The purpose of a shower is to get clean. The purpose of eating is to fill ourselves. The purpose of driving the car is to get where you want to go. So if you don't actually define with precision the result that you want, you're not going to live in purpose. You're not going to feel like your life is on purpose. You're not going to sense deep purpose. 
And you're going to be perpetually stuck in the cycle that I was stuck in of either feeling completely useless or used when all I wanted was to feel useful. That's so good. Can we say that again? That purpose is... uh... Purpose is nothing more than an action to be taken to create a specific result. So if I know the specific result that I want to create, now every single thing in my life, right? And I'll give an example here. And this was the process she had taken me through. And this is what I take a lot of clients through now who don't know what they want in life. They don't really know who they want to become. All they know is that like life's fine, but they're sick and tired of fine. Like life's okay. Mm-hmm. But they are they 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 don't have that fire in their eyes, that passion, that excitement, and that's exactly where I was. When I started to define the man that I wanted to become, and I got crystal clear on that, I didn't realize that that question was a better question than the one that I ones I've been asking. Because most of us ask these questions: What do I need to do to fix my marriage? What do I need to do to fix my health? What do I need to do to you know? <laughs> to secure the job. What do I need to do? What do I need to do? What do I need to do? And although those are useful questions, in my opinion, they're not the best first question. The best first question is who do you need to and want to become? Because once you've defined that, what you need to do gets crystal clear. Now, every single choice, every single decision has purpose and meaning. Because when I say, and I look at my, and I'll give you just the simple example here. When I looked at the father that I was relative to the father that I wanted to be, I've got three incredible kiddos. Mm -hmm. They're wild. (laughs) When I I look at that man and I see how I'm acting in the present moment, what I'm thinking in the present moment, what I'm believing in the present moment, how I'm feeling in the present moment. If that is out of alignment with that man that I said that I would be, it's got to go. And so now every single thing that I do has purpose to it because the purpose is to become that man, to live as that man. And what I didn't realize, Travis, that was so freeing is that Mm -hmm. when you have defined that aim, this desperate craving that we have to feel like our life has meaning, that our life matters, that our life is something of significance and importance. That our life actually, like this is, we feel like we are on the right path. That that feeling is what we're all craving. It's nothing more than a feeling. We want to feel differently about life. And so in order to feel differently about life, right? If we go back to our beliefs, thoughts, feelings, actions, right? You want to feel differently? Go back to your thoughts. What are you saying to yourself? What are you thinking? How are you speaking to yourself? How are you speaking to other people? Are you speaking blessing? Are you speaking curses? Are you talking about creating the future? Are you complaining? Are you stuck in the past? Are you living in the present moment? Are you fully engaged with your family or are you absent-minded and disconnected? When we start to look at our lives, we start to realize that the only thing that we're ever after is a specific state of being, of feeling. And when every single day you feel like you're doing things that are on purpose, with a purpose, for a purpose, suddenly there's this magical thing that happens, Travis. You feel like you got a lot of purpose in your life, brother. <laughs> That's pretty cool. Let me, you know, let me just kind of summarize what I'm hearing and see if I have this correct. 
And giving yourself permission to define who you wanted to be, you can find purpose, which is in becoming who you've given yourself permission to define. And then I'm really curious about what you just said as you're checking your uh, compass, let's just say, you know, because here you are. Yeah, I'm a little out of alignment right now. I said I was going to be this type of father. I said, I, you know, I'm, I'm very curious how many different roles you actually defined in your life. Yeah. When you find that you're out of alignment, mm-hmm. how do you realign? I mean, it, is it as simple as just running a systems check and saying, oh, we got to dial it? Or, you know, I mean, that, that's, uh, that seems to be a tough job for most. It is a tough job for most because most of us have the tendency of being able to solve everyone else's problems, but our own. Mm -hmm. And there's a reason that that is, is that we are meant to live interconnected, that it is egregious arrogance to assume that we can do this on our own. Now, there are certain areas that there is personal responsibility, personal accountability, personal commitment and discipline that are required, right? You don't need to hire a coach to stop freaking snoozing every morning. You don't, right? You need to make a decision that this is the man or woman that I'm going to be. I do not snooze, right? That's part of it. The other part is not just I do not snooze. The most important part is I am a person that gets out of bed, my feet hit the floor, and I have an intentional morning routine to set the frame for the entire day. Now, Travis, you and I, I don't know if you're a morning workout guy or an afternoon workout guy, but for me, that very much looks like either I'm going to the gym or I'm stretching or I am doing something to engage my body, period. End of story. It's no longer something that I I feel like I have to do. It's a non-negotiable, right? Right. And so when we do this systems check, you have to have self-awareness to know there are certain things that you can do by yourself that you (laughs) you need to be doing by yourself that no one else can do for you. This is what I break down into two categories, controlling what you can control, right? And then the other side is where we try and control what we can't control. And part of what we can't control is that a lot of the beliefs and the thoughts and the patterns, the behaviors, the things that we are running on autopilot because of our upbringing, because of baggage, because of trauma, because of pain, because of betrayal, because of all these things, these moments that happened to us in the past, we've carried all these things forward. I have found that the most effective way to completely reset and create that alignment is through coaching, specifically having like if we take the frame of a football match, right? Soccer match, football, whatever, depending on where you're at in the world. Sorry, I have a lot of people in the UK <laughs> that soccer, football, thing back and forth. What does a coach do? The coach is, is supposed to be focused intentionally in the training process. That is the most actively engaged that a coach is, is in the training process, the practice leading to the game. Because once the game happens, the only thing that the coach can do is to share a perspective that they have that is outside of the game. Once the players are on the field and the whistle blows, let's, we'll take American football. Say it's the quarterback, right? Quarterback has a specific perspective. He can only see what he can see. A coach can see things that he can't see, can notice things that he can't see, can make him aware of enemies, of problems, of blockades, of different things that that in that quarterback's perspective, he cannot possibly be aware of. And this is where tremendous humility comes in and even where fierce empathy really starts to kick in. 
Because the only way that I have found for us to create transformational change in our life is one of two ways. One I call voluntary pain. The other I call involuntary pain. Now, involuntary pain, this is the wake-up calls that we hear about, right? You get a call from the doctor and you got cancer. You get a letter in the mail from your wife who's leaving you, right? You find out that your kid has an incurable disease. You get fired. You get in a car accident. All of us have experienced some degree of involuntary, when I say involuntary, meaning like something happened to us that we didn't sign up for. Life came and kicked us in the nuts, right? That's what happens. It's involuntary. That forces us to reflect, to reevaluate, and to make necessary changes. You think about how many people change their life after that wake-up call, right? We mm -hmm. hear about it in a lot of books. There's a lot of success stories. Probably a lot of the people that have been on this podcast, they experience some kind of wake-up call, right? But the other side is what I call voluntary pain. Voluntary pain is, is a form of discomfort where you are submitting yourself to a standard of living that is irregardless of your feelings. It doesn't matter if you don't feel like going to the gym. It doesn't matter if you don't feel like showing love to your wife. It doesn't matter if you don't feel like being present with your kids. This is the standard that you establish and you create within your life a degree of accountability from someone that has achieved or is walking in shared values, a mentor, a coach, someone and saying, I give you permission to hold me to this standard because this is who I want to be regardless of, of how I feel. And when we do that, you know this, Travis, better than most. When we go to the gym and we work out, we are creating micro tears. It is mm. voluntary pain we are subjecting our bodies to to get stronger, to get better. We are tearing the muscles so that we can become better. And most people don't recognize that that exact same process that happens in the gym happens in the mind and the heart, but they're not willing to submit themselves to the process of discomfort consistently day in and day out by having someone else hold them accountable to the standard that they've set for their life. That is really good. That is really good. I wanted to ask you a couple of questions, a couple of follow-up questions on that, which is when you mentioned not feeling like being that person that you said that you would be, you know, you're just not feeling it today. Yep. Feelings are fixed by wondering where our thoughts are at, right? Because what would be giving me the emotion that I would not want to be where I'm at today, right? Mm -hmm. I have to check my thinking. I've already clearly defined who I want to be. So why would I not be feeling like it? Are my are my thoughts in that state of negativity that I need to get out of? Is, would that be your instruction for that case when you're not feeling it? If you were my accountability buddy, would I be, mm -hmm. I've clearly defined the father I want to be. I've clearly defined the husband I want to be, but I'm not feeling it today, David, you know? Well, nope. <laughs> Travis, how can you find this purpose in your life to be such a great man and now you don't feel it? You know, I mean, aren't we all there sometimes? Because think about it. Yeah. We wake up in a pissy mood and we're just not feeling like being a great human being. I, I think, you know, we got to check our thinking at that point, having that kind of accountability, somebody that said, no, this yeah. is the standard that you agreed to live by. And that's can where I was saying there's a break between some of those things you can do by yourself. You just need to hold yourself accountable. We're all allowed to have bad days. I hate the people that talk about no days off, 100% hustle and grind like that. Da, da, da. I'm like, that's completely unrealistic. Completely. Mm -hmm. 
You're allowed to have a bad day. You're allowed to miss the gym. You're allowed to to blow up in anger. You're allowed to have a moment of being human. The question is, what are you going to do on the tail end of that? Is that going to become another day and another day and another day? Is it going to become a pattern and a habit? Or are you going to own up to the fact that you had a human moment or life happened? I got three young kids. Sometimes they get sick and life happens and I can't, (laughs) I have to adjust, right? Are we allowing ourselves to create that space, but say, I'm not going to make this a habit and a routine and a part of, of my life. Because otherwise, if you cannot create transformational results in your life by addressing that thinking, you're right, Travis, you have to have someone from the outside on the sidelines, who's not in the game with you, mm-hmm. but is on the sidelines, who can ask you the tough questions that that we can't ask ourselves. So I said what I said earlier is that we're really good at being able to identify, label and solve everyone else's problems, but our own. And I believe that's because there's got to be this tremendous humility that steps in that says, okay, I need someone else to help me with this because I can't do this on my own. And that's not a form of weakness, despite what especially men think. Men think that's a form of weakness, when in my opinion, it's a form of tremendous courage and strength. My other follow-up question was going to be, you mentioned a term, fierce empathy. Yeah, it's very much a part of who you are. When I think of someone, uh, you know, that's their brand, right? Whatever you think of them, and every uh, part of them. Yeah, fierce empathy is associated with who you are. Can you define that for us? Because you you just mentioned it. You said this is where fierce empathy is called for. So exactly. Why? Uh, so fierce empathy, in and of itself, if we just look at the term, it's a it's a natural paradox. It's this juxtaposition, these two words that don't seem to go together. Like empathy uh, conveys like this warmth, connection, right? Inviting, understanding, um, somewhat more traditionally feminine characteristics, right? Fierce, on the other hand, like you you think about warrior, we look at the phoenix, right? We look at everything that you're talking about, uh, overcomers, right? The traditional sense of that word is very much like, okay, I'm gonna rip your face off. It's aggressive, right? It's this this aggression with this, this empathy, like how do those two go together? And what I've realized is that much like everything in life, that there are paradoxes. And we as human beings, by extension, are paradoxes. We're constantly at war with ourselves. And most people don't ever stop and think about, okay, I did that, but I didn't want to do that. Why did I do that? I didn't want to say that. I can't believe I made that choice. I can't believe I, you know, I did that, 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 that. And so start, you start to realize that there's something else governing what we're doing every day. Mm-hmm. There, there, there's something else that is causing us to do all these different things that when we look at it, we're like, why did I do that? Right? Why did I freaking snooze again? Why did I eat that? Or why did I go there? Or why did I say what I said? And so by very nature, we are paradoxical. There is a part of us and easiest way, subconscious mind and our conscious mind without getting too deep here. Mm -hmm. When we are willing to create an environment where others and ourselves are seen, heard, and understood, where we are doing everything within our power to create an an empathetic situation like, Travis, I see you. I hear you. I understand you, brother. I get it, man. Like, I get it. I know why you feel this way. We're validating to some degree what someone's experience is while simultaneously having the courage to ask the uncomfortable questions and speak the hard truth in love. Mm -hmm. So fierce empathy in and of itself is yes about creating and holding space for people, 
but also recognizing that true empathy means that if you were in their shoes, the thing that you would desperately desire more than anything is for someone to be honest with you, mm-hmm. to ask you the tough questions. Does it mean that they're going to like it and it's going to feel good? No. And that's what's hard for many people, especially people pleasers. Like I don't like making people uncomfortable. I like people to like me, (laughs) but my job, right? Not just professionally, but my job, I believe as a man on this planet is to everywhere that I go to create that environment where people, yes, they feel safe. They feel seen, they feel heard, they feel understood, but simultaneously they've got to understand that I'm not here to just do small talk. I'm going to ask you, how's your heart, brother? How's your marriage? Mm -hmm. How's your, how's your presence with your kids, right? Are you still working on your health? I'm going to consistently and abrasively which is where that juxtaposition comes in. I'm going to involve a degree of fears saying, I see you, I hear you, I understand you, but I'm going to ask you tough questions that no one else in your corner is asking you. You're not asking yourself. And I'm going to be willing to, when there is health, and this is where there's got to be context. If I have relationship with the person, I'm not talking about on social media, just some random stranger, but when you have relationship with the person, having the courage to speak the hard truth in love, to tell them everything that they need to hear that they might not want to hear. Because guess what? If you were in their shoes, that's what you would want more than anything. Someone to love you enough to have the courage to tell you what you can't see. And so that's where fierce empathy is. It starts with ourselves going within and having fierce empathy for ourselves, sitting with ourselves, seeing, hearing, and understanding our past and our choices, our behaviors, and looking in the mirror. And then once we have created that depth of connection where we actually can look ourselves in the mirror and be like, yo, dude, I like you. We're good buddies now, right? You can love yourself healthily. Then and only then can you truly connect with other people in the way that you want to connect with them. Because now you can actually do it from a frame of unconditional love. You don't overlay expectations and manipulation and try and get them to love you and scratch your back and take care of you and meet all your needs. Because there's a form of self-sufficiency where now, like especially in marriage, there's not that neediness for your spouse to make you happy or to complete you or to fulfill you. You want them rather than having this neediness. And this fierce empathy concept overlays into work, overlays into clients. Are we creating environments where people feel seen, heard, and understood? And are we simultaneously willing to ask the tough questions and speak the hard truth in love? Love that. I've always loved that quote about coaching that says that a good coach is the person that helps you to see the things you always needed to see so you can be the person you always wanted to be. And uh, I feel like that's what you're describing right there. So you have a coaching program coming out that sounds like it takes you on this kind of a journey. It's uh, called The Ardent Man. Could you talk a little bit about that? Yeah, for sure. So The Ardent Man is actually a vision that I had about five years ago, Travis. And it it is a vision we have for 400,000 men by the year 2033. So 10 years from now to mark the lives of 400,000 men, men who want to be better husbands, better fathers, better leaders. These men are, uh, are guys who they're good dads, right? They're good husbands. They're, uh, they're good leaders, but there's a sense of underlying dissatisfaction because they have not gotten clear on what they really want in life because they haven't gotten clear on the man that they want to become. Now they have, again, some degree of understanding in all these areas. And again, these are solid dudes. But there's that underlying sense of dissatisfaction of saying, I know that I was called to more, but I don't know what that looks like. I don't know what that means. I don't have clarity. Uh, A lot of the men that I speak with, they're at a beautiful place in life, but the fire's gone. The adventure's gone. 
they're not lighting up every single day, passionate and excited to show up for life. And so ardent in and of itself is actually an acronym as part of our core values. Stands for accountable, responsible, disciplined, empathetic, noble, and true. And so within these core values, we look systematically through this program. It's a 12-month immersive program where we go systematically every single month focusing on a specific area and topic where we're looking at habit tracking, creating goals, focusing on KPIs, which are key performance indicators, and KFIs, key fulfillment indicators, for them to create more depth and connection with their wife, to be more present for their kids, to focus on the areas that they have been saying that they want to do for years, like they want to develop a skill, they want to learn a language, they want to go do something, they want to do something extraordinary, but they're not. And they look at their life and life has become a pretty boring book. Yeah. And so it's creating that transformational change. And one of the ways that we do that is, a, is an immersive, uh, immersive off-grid experiences where we literally take men into the wilderness for two, three days, and you're completely unplugged from your reality. And so it's one of those things that I'm very excited about is finally coming to fruition. I've been working on it. Um, I've been working on it with my team for the better part of this year. And so we're launching here in the next, uh, next couple months and we're going to do, uh, do a lot of stuff with a lot of men. And, uh, I don't, one thing that I always try and make clear though, is, is that I don't have all the right answers, Travis. I know you probably don't either, but I have learned a few things along the way in the areas that I have been able to create transformational change in my life. These are things that I feel compelled to share with other men, because when we look at our society and we look at our culture, men are being attacked from every single side. It doesn't really matter how you say things or what you say. Um, you're being attacked. Right. And there is this this emasculation that is happening. I don't think it's about the clothes we wear or the kind of car we drive or how much money you make or what kind of house you live in that define these things. I believe it's the character of the heart and the choices and decisions we make every single day and defining who we want to become. And so I'm very, very excited about that. And it is, um, it's an intensive process. It is not for someone that's kind of dabbling. This is for someone that is, is they're not necessarily looking to completely like they, they don't like their life and they're want a transformation. These are guys who are like, yeah, I'm good, but like, I'm missing something. And I need to be surrounded by other brothers that are high achievers that are pushing, that are moving forward because I want to create space where I can be seen. I can be vulnerable. I can take the armor off and talk about my struggles without being judged, without being crucified, without the fear of my wife finding out that I'm dealing with X, Y, and Z. And so uh, I'm excited about that, man. I appreciate you bringing that up. Well, no, thank you for doing what you're doing. You are 100% on purpose. And I agree with you wholeheartedly that you've gone through the things that you've gone through in your life to get to this point so that you could share it with others. And, you know, I'm just totally feeding off of everything that you're saying today in the show. You know, there's so many great answers and solutions that you've given to us today. If people want to follow you, get more of you, watch for that program coming out so that they can be part of the Ardent Man program. How do they do that? So before I share that, I want one final thing, if you're cool with it, Travis, one final thing I'd love to share. <clears throat> yeah. But anyway, anyone can find me on social media. You can Google me, David Walter, you'll find me somehow. Yeah, right, <laughs> right. Pretty popular guy. I've noticed that so far. <laughs> well, what I've found through this whole entire process, and this is why I want to honor you and the work that you do, Travis, is that this overcomers concept, right? And I know that you do this a lot with business owners and those that are interested in, in creating um, what I would assume is, is time freedom, financial freedom, the ability to own and operate uh, a business, whether you're an entrepreneur or you're not, right? I want everyone to walk away from this concept of overcoming by recognizing that at the end of the day, 
regardless of your beliefs, like, and again, I've mentioned that I love Jesus with everything in me. I'm an evangelical Christian. I have certain beliefs that you might disagree with, which is perfectly fine. But what I do know is this, as far as this life is concerned, no one is coming to save you. No one is coming to fix these problems. No one is coming to change your circumstances and your situation. If you are serious about overcoming the stuff that you have dealt with and navigating those things, the first thing that you have to do is recognize that that was simply a moment in time. Everything that followed that was our choice. We had choices that we made. So it's not about guilt. It's not about shame. It's not about beating yourself up. It's not about living in the past. It's simply coming to an awareness of saying, yeah, this led me to this point. How can I redeem all the bad? How can I redeem all the evil, all the betrayal, all the pain, all the difficulty? How can I redeem that? Because that's what I believe overcoming is. How can you redeem and you can take this thing that was nasty and disgusting and frustrating and worthless and useless and turn it into something beautiful? That process only happens when you decide, you commit, and you become. And there, I know there are some people listening right now, Travis, that you've, you've been pouring into people in this. And there, there are people I believe that have been listening for a while and they, they haven't made that decision. They haven't committed to the process. They've been thinking about, okay, I've been following this Trav guy and he's got this franchise and he does all these amazing things, helping people overcome, but I haven't pulled the trigger. You haven't made a decision, my friend, make a decision to find the people like Travis Barnes in your life that you align with their values and be willing to submit yourself through that standard of accountability and saying, will you help me become this person? Because I don't know how. And I'm sick and tired of trying to figure it out on my own because that was the biggest mistake that I made was trying for so long because I believed that if I couldn't figure it out on my own, Travis, that it was more confirmation that I was weak, that I wasn't good enough. And I didn't want more confirmation of that. And it wasn't until I learned there's actually tremendous arrogance and weakness to say we don't need help because it takes courage and vulnerability to say, you know what? I see a Travis Barnes. I see a David Waldy. I see a whoever, and I see what they're doing in their life. We don't have all the right answers, but we have figured some things out because we've asked useful questions. And because we've had people pour into us, and I know that that's your heart, brother. That's my heart too, is to pour into people who who actually are willing to decide, commit, and become. 100%. That's so good. So that was, there was a three-step process there. Say it again. Decide, commit, and become. Decide, commit, and become. There it is. That's so awesome. That's so awesome. David, is there a specific spot where you hang out? Like, how do we follow you to make sure that when that ardent man comes out that we're aware? Yeah, absolutely. So I usually hang out on Instagram. You can find me on TikTok and Facebook and YouTube and LinkedIn. But if you want to actually connect with me, send me a message on Instagram. Yes, it's actually me that responds to all those. It may take me some time to get to you, but I promise I will. And uh, reference the Overcomers podcast. I love connecting with new people just to create conversations. I think a lot of times people are scared to reach out for whatever reason, because they think they're being invasive or whatever. And I get it, but same thing is in public. Like, if you ever see me, come say hi, like, let's take a picture, I'll shake your hand. I want to meet you. <laughs> That's what I'm about, I'm about doing life with cool people, doing cool stuff. And, uh, you know, we're all learning. We're all in process along the way. Cause I know there's things that I can learn from everyone else that I interact with. Well, David, thank you so much for all the gems that you just shared with our audience today. There were so many, I hope that you were taking good notes. If not go back and re-listen because there's a lot 
lot to be learned from today's episode and more to come with David Waldy. Just stay tuned for The Ardent Man. Awesome. David, thanks for being on the show. Travis, it was an honor. Thank you, brother. Thanks for listening, Overcomer Nation. Make sure if you haven't already, give us a five-star rating. Make sure that you share this and subscribe so you can see all of our future content. That's right. And if you'd like to be a guest on a future show, go to overcomers-podcast.com. If you're interested in our franchise opportunities with Journey 333, then go to www.journeyfitness333.com. And finally, if you like what you heard today and you feel like you're somebody that needs a bit more coaching, go to travisbarnes.com. Yeah!